welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it! Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Everybody and welcome. This is Punch It Writing in Star Trek, episode 87. We are fast approaching 90. Woohoo! My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is Tristan Riddell. What we're talking about today is, I think, going to be a lot of fun. We're just going to kind of riff and we're going to talk about something we talked about way, way, way back when, when we did a Voyager show. It was Guilty Pleasures, and we made a list of our top five guilty pleasure episodes, but it was Voyager specific. Today, we're going to open up all the floodgates to all the Star Trek series, talk about our guilty pleasures across all of incarnations of Star Trek. And the caveat is, on this show, we have to talk about the writing. So these cannot be well-written episodes, and yet we like them anyway. Well, okay, so I'm glad that you brought that up because I want to define what it means to be a guilty pleasure because obviously we're going to be talking about the writing, that's the show, but at the same time, I'm trying to think you can have a well-written episode with it being poorly executed for for whatever reason, the acting or the direction or something like that. Sure, but sure. at the same time, I'm just like, okay, so is it guilty pleasure because it's a bad episode and you still like it? That's kind of the accepted definition, but it's also kind of broad because there's so many times when there's a genuinely great episode, but it could be bad for other reasons. Like, I'm going to give one example. Do it. Uh, that is not on my list, and that is Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. Okay. That yeah. is a beloved episode. That is a beloved Deep Space Nine episode because they all get together and play baseball. And it's fun it's interesting, it's campy, it's silly, but not in a bad way. Right. But the thing is, though, it could be qualified as a guilty pleasure episode because it's right in the middle of a war. And uh -huh. so the entire senior staff takes a couple of weeks off from their regular duties and concerns and then learns how to play baseball <laughs> while people are dying and ships are being destroyed. Maybe not the best way to spend your time. Or is it? <laughs> or is it? Yeah. And so like in a vacuum, Take Me Out to the Hall Suite is a great episode and a lot of fun. But when looked at from a larger perspective, it can be seen as a guilty pleasure episode because it doesn't make sense to be there in the season. So there's a few ways that you can spin that, right? You could say on its own merit and by the sheer fact that this is a generally beloved episode by the fan community. No, it's really kind of not a guilty pleasure. But if you put it in the context of the greater picture of the war mm -hmm. and watching them have frivolous fun makes you feel bad. Well, that is inevitably going to bring out feelings of guilt. Therefore, you could still define it as a guilty <laughs> pleasure with the premise that this is a really horrible thing to do in the midst of wartime. Possibly you could justify yourself either way and make a case. You know what? I think anything goes however you want to rationalize it is fair game to me. I've got some that maybe are objectively not badly written episodes, but maybe there's certain things about it that just do not work. But I love to watch them anyway. I think for me, it's the premise that usually gets me to uh, kind of slot it into a guilty pleasure episode. Mm, because yep. 
I feel like there can be really good writing or monologues or acting or pretty much all the visual effects because it's Star Trek. I mean, yeah. like there can be good aspects to all, all those episodes. But with Star Trek, sometimes the premise is so ridiculous that it it makes you roll your eyes. I mean, like one <laughs> inevitable episode, I have no idea if it's on your list. It's not on my list, but that is, I mean, this is infamous. Everybody, know, everybody knows what I'm about to say, and that's Threshold, Star Trek Voyager's Threshold. Of course it is. Yes, and I just want to throw it out there. Threshold is not my on my list on purpose. Everybody knows I love to watch that episode and enjoy it for what it is. That's not even, we're not even going to talk about it. Well, yeah, like I'm not going to like delve into it, but that's my example of that's a weird premise, but it's not poorly written. It's not even poorly executed. It's actually a fun Star Trek episode. If you took out the warp tin, took out the evolution aspect, just those words, like the the warp tin aspect and the word evolution, it would have made a crazy episode and no one would have said a thing. Exactly. Right. And Robert Duncan McNeil puts out, I think, a fantastic performance. The makeup earned an Emmy Award for crying out loud. Not anything about any one episode that we're about to talk about today is all bad. Right. So go in with an open mind. And and that's what I'm trying to say is that with a show like Star Trek, there's many things that define guilty pleasure. And actually, we would love to know what you guys think about guilty pleasure. How do you define it? Yeah. And do you mock other people for having guilty pleasure episodes or do you have them yourself? Like, give us a list. Tell us what you think. Go to the nerdparty.com slash contacts. Like, punch it from the drop down menu. Fill out the form. It'll send us an email. You can find us all over on social media just by going to the nerdparty.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find me personally on Twitter at the insane Robin. And you can find me at Oh the Profanity. I would love to know people's top five. Yes. You know, keep it nice and concise. Just give us a list of five. Let's see if there's any consensus as to what a guilty pleasure is and any episodes that make a majority of people's lists. And then we can report back. Absolutely. And uh, while you're listening, please go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you call it, and leave us a review. If you give us a five-star review, we'll mention you on the show. Please, please, please. It's a great way to help out the network and our show. So, Char, do you want to start? Do you have any particular order or you just want to go in chronological order? What do you want to do? My list is completely random. I don't really start with any particular chronology or anything. I just dove into my memory and started thinking of episodes that fit this weird criteria, however loosely we want to define it, of guilty pleasure that I I know are not well received by the fan community at large, but I like them anyway. And you mentioned a moment ago that for you, a lot of your guilty pleasures have a bad premise. I'm looking at my list right now. Same thing. On paper, it sounds absurd. Maybe the execution takes it up a notch or not. And yet, you know what? It's the absurdity that I like. So with that in mind, let's kick it off with Enterprise. This is probably the episode of Enterprise that everybody hates that I will still watch anyway. And that is A Night in Sick Bay. That is my Enterprise episode as well that I have written down here. (laughs) Now, did you go through each of the series? Do you have one for each one? I have one for each series except for TOS, because to me, TOS is just one big guilty pleasure. Uh, (laughs) Oh, come on now. Now, I do have a couple from TOS. I'm trying to just take the 60s campiness as the rule rather than the exception, and then anything that's an outlier outside of that, then I consider it. Okay. So we'll get there when I get to those on my list. Okay, let's talk a night in sickbay. This one is just goofy, is it not? 
that's the thing with me is that like when I was doing some research because I wanted to see what other people were saying like what do other people have on their list for guilty pleasures and I kept seeing this one pop up and to me I never really thought of it as a guilty pleasure until not that long ago because I was just like oh this is a fun episode like it's 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 silly it's campy but it's fun I mean it's it's okay to have a nonsense episode where the drama is Archer's dog dying you know like that's okay to have that kind of levity but I guess if I'm trying to be objective, then it might be sillier than most people like. And I guess that's why it landed on my list, because I genuinely love this episode. And I, I love all the aspects of it. And I think there's, I think the editing could be better because there's a few moments when they choose to go to commercial. And I'm just like, really, that's the moment you chose to commercial? That's that, that's really <laughs> weird. Uh-huh. But And also when, like, oh my gosh, like Bacula's acting. Uh, it's just... I know you love it. He is just so bad so many times in the show. And he's just like, <laughs> when he's like screaming at what Flox, he's like, come on, he's my buddy. He's my pal. Just like, how he's, I, just, I can't even, I can't even keep a straight face. It's, um, yeah, yeah. It, but even regardless of all that, I think it's just, it's entertaining. It's super entertaining. That's what it is for me is it's entertaining. And they have no shame in the whole, oh, the cute doggy might die plot. Mm-hmm. And I love Porthos, and so I'm genuinely concerned about this and the fact that they have to quarantine him and put him in this gelatinous goo for a little while. It looks goofy. Like, if you just see screen caps of this episode, you are like, what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, other things that I like about it are we kind of see a little bit of off-duty kind of things. Like, what are they doing in their so-called spare time? We see the exercise room. From a writing standpoint, there's a couple of horrible, horrible lines. Like when they're doing the whole Freudian slip kind of act. Okay, that's awful. It's terrible. Sorry, it just is. It's corny and it doesn't work. Now, if it had worked, maybe I'd have a different attitude about it. But that's where I sit with it. How about you? Oh, I love that moment. I love the Freudian (laughs) slip stuff. Of course you do. That's that's what I think about. When I think of this episode, that's what I think about. Because I think about Phlox casually walking behind Archer. And I can't remember what he calls it, but just like... Peclar slips or something. I don't know, something like that. And he's just like, he's like, hmm, three Peclar slips in under one minute. Interesting. And he just continues to walk on. Mm. I just I think that is legitimately hilarious. <laughs> in part, I think that's because John Billingsley really delivers that. He nails mm-hmm. it. But just the actual, I don't know. Actually going there, it's that juvenile side of Star Trek that just typically does not work, and I don't think it works here either. Sorry. I and nevertheless. That. It made my list because if I were flipping channels and I just happened to come across this on TV, you know what? I would stop. I would let it play. I'd watch it. So let's move on to, since we mentioned it previously, let's go move on to Deep Space Nine. What is on your Deep Space Nine list? You know what? I do not have any of of (gasps) DS9 on my list because I do know that there's horrible episodes of Deep Space Nine. But you know what? They're not episodes that I consider a guilty pleasure, nor are they necessarily episodes that I want to watch. Hmm. Like, I don't want to watch Let He Who Is Without Sin. Or Prophet and Lace or something like that, yeah. I do not like watching Prophet and Lace. Therefore, those do not make my list. Do you have anything for DS9? Yes, I have one. Like, I, I briefly mentioned, like, Take Me Out to a Hollow Suite. That's one. It's not on my list, but, like, that's one that could be argued. I think it's, like, when you look at where it's placed in the season, like we said, yeah, it's a little weird. But I think overall it's a good episode. I think for me, and I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this one, is Our Man Bashir, the James Bond episode. Mm, okay, explain. 
this is my guilty pleasure because I love this episode. I think it's great. I love that Julian Bashir has a rich fantasy life and we get to peek into it. I love that it's a Garrick and Julian Bashir buddy episode where they go uh-huh. back and forth, where we actually have Garrick is a real spy and Julian Bashir is a make-believe spy. So we get to have that commentary where Garrick is just like, man, I, I was the spy for the wrong government. Holy crap. Like, <laughs> um, I think because it's so over the top. It's so silly. It's so corny and 1960s Bond-esque that it's ridiculous. And it is ridiculous. I mean, it's meant to be ridiculous. And if you say that it's not, then you're lying to yourself. And (laughs) again, I'm not saying it's not a good episode because I think it is because I like it and that's why it's a guilty pleasure. But objectively, when you compare this episode to something as dark as Deep Space Nine, even though Deep Space Nine definitely has levity in its show, it has lighter moments, this is a stark contrast to the rest of the show and i think that's that's why it's on this list is because you have wharf with with a cigar that shoots out a dart and you have um there's a moment when julian pops a cork and knocks somebody out i don't think i'm making that up i think that is in the episode and (laughs) it's just it's the holodeck gone mad you know how many times have we done that oh yeah i think maybe that that and the over-the-topness, that is what could qualify it as a guilty pleasure. I didn't consider this a guilty pleasure, though. I just considered it Julian Bashir's fantasy. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the thing, is that it's it's his fantasy, and it's wrapped up into a Star Trek plot where everybody gets trapped. You know, they're going to die and unless unless they win the day. And, I mean, Avery Brooks's, inter- not interpretation, but, like, portrayal of Noah, Hippocrates Noah, I think that's his name, or something mm-hmm. like that. Something ridiculous. I mean, he's so crazy that it's beautifully done it's perfect for the tone of the episode but it's ridiculous yeah Yeah, good stuff well shall we move on to the next thing let's do it let's do it so i i mean i've been talking for a long time so give just give us one randomly since you uh since you're not doing one from each from each series this is probably my most random episode that i've probably never mentioned on any of our podcasts ever so get ready i'm ready imaginary friend it's from tng Okay, that's one with Loxana, right? No. The premise of this episode is, what if your imaginary friend, a child's imaginary friend, becomes real? Right. On paper, that sounds like a great idea, but you know what? That is the extent of just how good that episode is going to be. For one thing, Star Trek struggles with kids. They tried really hard on this one, and they did okay. This episode is just okay. I mean, the execution, it lives up to its potential, but really, the potential is up front. It's on paper. It's that premise. It doesn't get a whole lot better than that. So it's just okay. Now, the reason why it's my guilty pleasure is because nothing in particular is exactly wrong with this episode. This is a sentimental favorite. This episode aired when I was maybe 11 years old. So I'm like... There's a kid, and it's not Wesley. I love this episode. And so I would watch it ad nauseum in my like prepubescent days i i just thought it was so cool that there were a couple of kids and the whole imaginary friend thing made a little more sense to me at that age than it does now and mm-hmm. i guess as a kid i found it relatable okay i can get that so nowadays it's not really a guilty pleasure like if i see this episode eh, i'll probably listen to it in the background while i'm doing something else i don't really care to see it again But back then, it was a massive guilty pleasure. Just because it was another kid. It was a story about a kid. I always skip this episode on my rewatch, unless I'm doing a hardcore (laughs) rewatch. Just because I 
don't usually like kid actors. I can't really stand them. Like, if there's anything that is Alexander focused on TNG, I'm just like, skip. It, and, yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough. And I, I get it. And I'm not saying that is, you know, I'm not saying that this is necessarily a bad episode. It's just I don't connect with it. I don't like it. It is not in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't have anything really nice to say about it. So like, yeah, I mean, this, it's it's just okay. And I don't think it's very well liked among the fan base. It's pretty forgettable. Yeah. You know, and especially especially amongst the fifth season where there's so many good standouts, this thing does not measure up at all. So that's where we are. And th- yeah, that's one of those things where it's just like, you know, if people like it, it totally falls into that category of guilty pleasure if you like it. I am just not on right. that side of the spectrum. <laughs> right. Well, there we go. There's mine out of left field. Is there something really random that you've got? A random? No. Like mine are pretty on the nose, I think. And I'll just, okay. since you just gave a TNG one, I'll give a TNG one. And that's Genesis. <laughs> I considered this one. This one, I just watched this one not that long ago. And my wife, who is also my co-host on Nerd Nuptial, check it out at the nerdparty.com. <laughs> Plug. She is not a big Star Trek fan. She's not a big Star Trek fan at all, but she's been watching a lot of TNG with me lately. That's so cool. Like, how did you do this? We just kind of fell into it. Like, she just, we couldn't think of something to watch. And it was scrolling through on, on Netflix and it popped up and she's just like, eh, you know, I guess, you know, I could watch an episode of TNG. And of course, when you hear that from a non-fan, you're just like, oh, you're all over it. Oh, yeah. And we just kind of got into a habit. Like, we've been so busy these past couple of weeks. I haven't seen a movie in weeks. And <laughs> so that's kind of been our show to unwind with. And she hasn't been arguing. And so we've just continued to do it. Nice. I kept saying, I was just like, oh, do you want to see the scary one? Do you want to see the scary next generation? And... um <laughs> She's like, no, I don't want to see a scary one. I don't want to watch a scary episode of something right before bed. I was just like, no, too bad. We're going to watch it. And I click it and we watch it. And she's like, where was the scary part? I was like, screw you. And and she didn't think it was scary at all. If you're talking about Genesis, I don't think that's the scary episode. No. What is the one where Riker gets abducted and he's sleep like he's sleep deprived and they recreate the chair in the holodeck? Schisms. Schisms. That's the scary one. (laughs) <laughs> that is a scary one. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try that one because with Genesis, it's funny because like of course I rewatch these or I used to rewatch them all the time, and you know like I was born around the time TNG was was made, and so I've watched and rewatched Genesis like crazy. But for some reason in my head it was always scarier because I remember watching it as a kid, and so that feeling just stayed with me. Well, like was I scared when I watched it as an adult? Of course I wasn't. But I thought it was <laughs> was a scary episode. But watching it again through my wife's eyes, I'm just like, no, that's not scary in the least. And also the premise is so ridiculous. It is. Anything to deal with evolution in Star Trek, pretty much the science is all wrong and gets crazy or gets weird. And yes, especially if it's written by Bronn and Braga, who has proven time and again, he does not know what evolution is. Right. And the thing is, though, is that this is one of those things that I was talking about earlier about how it's a ridiculous premise, but I love it anyway. Don't care because I love the idea of people morphing into things from their home planet. So, you know, like <laughs> people turning into frogs and lemurs and primates and and then Worf turning into whatever the hell he was. I mean, that's... <laughs> And and then for some reason, somehow, you know, Barkley turns into a spider. I kind of, I missed that time in, in science class, but in, in biology. Yeah. But uh, it's so absurd that you either get on board with the premise or you absolutely hate it. And that's why this 
this episode is on there. It's got the parallels to Threshold, where if you can just ignore the fact that science is not really a part of this, if it's just a crazy adventure where the members of the crew turn into different creatures, it's a lot of fun. And I especially remember Jonathan Frakes really hamming it up for this episode. Oh, yeah. And I feel like they kind of pair up Data and Picard way too often in the show. And of course. Especially in the movies. It got ridiculous in the movies. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is one of those times when I really liked it. I liked seeing it from Picard's eyes. And even though I did like it as seeing it through Picard's eyes, and of course, Data can't get changed because he's an android, although it would have been funny if he like turned into a microchip or something. (laughs) That's that's a joke, people. I would have liked to have seen it through somebody else's eyes. Like, like for some reason, there there was no real reason for Picard to be on that away mission. That is completely right. stupid for the captain to be leaving the ship for that specific way mission. Yeah, plot device. And and one of the, another reason why it's it's a ridiculous premise because why would he be leaving? But regardless. Yeah. Again, back to the horrible premise thing, but the execution I think on this episode elevates it, which is why it's fun to watch, and therefore that definitely qualifies it as a guilty pleasure. I think so. I think so. Yeah. I had a feeling that episode was going to make a pick. I have it kind of as an honorable mention. Like, if we need another one to fill in some gaps, sure. But I'm glad you got it out of the way. I admire your restraint for not screaming Genesis really, really loud. It was tempting. (laughs) I mean, as I was writing this down in my notes, I was just like, oh, this is going to trigger a reaction from Shard. (laughs) I can't do it every time. They'll wear it out. All right. What's next for you? I say the next one for me, let's go to TOS. Let's talk about the way to Eden. You remember this one? Uh, no, remind me. Okay, this is the premise. Space hippies take over the Enterprise. Oh, my God. Do I need to say more? <laughs> I just, there, there you go. I, I don't think you do. <laughs> I mean, that's all I had to think about to put this on my list. Bam. And yet, I love it. It is such a product of this time of the third season desperation that's going on. And and I mean, how can you not love just a bunch of hippies, you know, strumming some guitars and singing and getting Mr. Spock to join in? And then, of course, we have Herbert, Herbert, Herbert. So again, if I'm flipping channels, if I come across this, I'm going to, oh, that's the Space Hippies. Sure, I'll watch it. Of course I will every dang time. Because I love hippies. And that's the thing with me is that this episode is just, bad to me (laughs) (laughs) well hence guilty pleasure i mean it it really objectively it is not good no i think actually if i had to i don't know i don't know tos is just i've been in the closet for so long about my feelings towards tos because it's considered so sacred by so many people (laughs) and i do respect it for what it is but i like the classics i like the ones that everyone's thinking of right now when i think the best episodes of tos sure I'm not a knuckle dragger. Like, I know that TOS can give you some great TV and it was ahead of its time. And if it wasn't for TOS, we wouldn't have 50 years of Trek, obviously. Exactly. Of course, it helped pave the way. I am TNG generation through and through, 24th century. I can't do it with TOS. Hey, that's all right. There's no shame, really, in admitting that. And if you get hate mail, you tell those people to buzz off because you didn't disrespect TOS just now. (laughs) It's just not your flavor. And you know what? That's okay. We all have our flavors, our brand of Trek that we're in most, like that we are most uh, endeared to. 
Yeah. For a lot of us in our generation, it is TNG or it's DS9 or Voyager because in the 90s, that's when we're growing up. But everybody has their Trek. So as long as you're not hating on it. And I'm not. It's okay. We can respect that. I would never hate on TOS. Idic, baby. Idic. (laughs) The thing with me is I respect it for what it did, but I love the TOS movies. That's kind of where I can find some middle ground with people. Is that I love the TOS movies, but the TV show is just not for me. Fair enough. Okay. Well, what's your next one? This is my last one. Ooh, okay. And this one is, we've talked about this episode so many times. Ooh, I think I have a feeling. I know what it is. On TTJ, our old show. And this is one of those episodes that I refused to call my guilty pleasure because I'm like, no, this episode is amazing. It's one of the best episodes of Voyager ever and Uh anyone who doesn't like it just doesn't get it man you just don't get it no um (laughs) no 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 like whenever i said that of course i was just playing around because i totally understand people's criticisms and and that's why it's on this list and that is Fairhaven. okay it was either that or twisted oh no twist is just a good episode (laughs) some people hate it just saying those people are foolish (laughs) okay Fairhaven. See, like Twisted, I think, is like a good episode with a solid premise. It's great sci-fi. With Fairhaven, it's a ridiculous premise with lots of holes. And it's complicated but simple at the same time. It's heartwarming (laughs) but stupid at the same time. It's... It's holodeck adventure gone wrong. It's holodeck adventure gone wrong and everything like that. Well, actually, like the gone wrong part wasn't until the end. So I do applaud them for doing that. But true oh i was thinking about this episode the other day because i was watching lessons in tng where picard falls in love with a scientist uh-huh lieutenant darren that's right lieutenant lieutenant commander darren oh pardon and that goes into my next point she's a lieutenant commander and captain is the captain but they're like captain outright says that there is no rule against a captain dating one of his subordinates like he straight up mm-hmm. says that and then Deanna's just like, yeah, no, I totally give you permission. Cool. Go on it. Get some. And in <laughs> Voyager, we have the doc straight up saying, yeah, you can't have any relationships with any of the crew because they're your subordinates. So apparently they rewrote the Starfleet regulation handbook between that episode with Picard before the launch of Voyager. That's really only a couple of years here. Is it because of Picard and Lieutenant Darren and their relationship? <laughs> Did, did, did they ruin Janeway and Chakotay for us? Are you kidding me? Oh, man. Another reason why people can hate Lieutenant Commander Darren. Ugh. But no, in all, in all in-universe seriousness, of course, you would need something larger than just that in order to, to change the rules. But that's- It's a complete plot device, though. They're just saying that because that's how they can justify it. And the thing is, though, is that even in Voyager, like if they actually did some of their research and remembered this episode, they could have <laughs> just said... Janeway could have said, I'm not comfortable with it because they're all my subordinates, not, it's not allowed. Why didn't they just take that angle? Because then you can just respect her decision. Exactly. That's the thing, is that it's an opinion, not a rule. And that's okay. It's absolutely okay to feel that way and do that. Yeah. But anyway, the episode, you know, she falls in love with Michael, the bartender, the holographic bartender. We see him again. He pops up in Spirit Folk. And I love the continuation, the continuity. And it's just, you know, it's it's silly because they're in an Irish village and 
they use the whole thing where there's like oh the holograph the, the holodeck um uses a different energy source and you're just like well crap right you know? yeah it's that bs uh-huh that total bs and everything like that and so you have garrett wong getting into an arm wrestling contest and yeah it's you have sheep herders and i could just go on and on and on and on about how ridiculous the episode is but it's charming it's lovely it's fun turn off your star trek brain and just enjoy the story and it's a fun character exploration of janeway she's not going through depression she's not struggling with the idea of is she going to get her crew home but it's still an episode that shows the ramifications of her choices yeah but they do it in a fun vibrant colorful way and that's why i like this episode fair enough i know that there's good takeaways from this episode you know that it's by far and away not among my favorites I do not like watching it, therefore it's not a guilty pleasure, but I know that you love it. And so I just kind of want to leave it there. <laughs> so my next one is also a Voyager episode. Oh, and that me. is the season two episode, Elosium. I love Elosium. I do too. I will never, ever, ever skip this episode, but the premise is goofy. Yeah, especially when you look at the science, and we've talked about this a lot. Right, you got to ignore the science. You just have to accept the fact that space sperm, for one, are trying to have sex with Voyager. Like you do. And the ship Voyager. And this puts Kess into an early elogium, the one and only time she may be able to reproduce, which makes a lot of sense for a species that lives only nine years, and they don't even talk about the fact that she probably has to have a litter at this point, because that's what would keep the race going. No. They're talking about <laughs> a child. Hmm. Nope. Makes no sense, but... No sense. It is so much fun watching her eat beetles and mashed potatoes with butter and flowers and getting sticky mustard stuff all over her hands. And it brings up some really good questions about Voyager's future. Like, eventually we may need to have a replacement crew if we're out here this long. That means people need to pair up and have babies. Yeah, it's it's, it's a conversation starter and... I think a lot of people don't like it because it really shines a light on the Neelix and Kess relationship. And so many people don't <laughs> like that. And I get it. I right. understand it. I wasn't one of those people. I thought I was fine with it. I didn't love it. I was just okay with it. And yeah, yeah this, this episode is ridiculous for a lot of reasons, just like everything that you just laid out. But there's just so many positives to Jennifer Lean's performance and the maternal instincts of Janeway kicking in with Aline and, and it's just... Oh, yeah. That's another thing I love about Elogium is the connection that Janeway and Kess have in this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That moment yeah. where Kess and Janeway, like Janeway just opens her arms and Kess runs into her for that big hug. Oh, how is that not heartwarming? It's amazing. But I also love how Janeway approaches this where it has to be her decision. She's going to respect that decision and then whatever happens from there... They're going to figure it out along the way. Right. Right. Yeah. That's cool. And then this is the episode where we find out that Samantha Wildman is pregnant. So never mind the fact that it's going to be the one child that we see born on Voyager for a <laughs> long, long time. Nevertheless, a child's on the way. Things are going to change at least a little bit on Voyager. All right. Well, do you have any other ones? I have some like half qualifiers, but we don't necessarily have to go into a ton of detail about it. Speaking of children, the other thing I had from TNG on my list was Rascals. Oh, no, shut up. That's a great episode. I 
love it, but some uh, the fan base is seems really divided on it, like 50-50. Half of us really like it. Others just think this is ridiculous. And I think it's because the Ferengi take over the Enterprise. That is ridiculous. Yes. Oh, my gosh. There's so... Uh, just TNG overall, when it comes to that kind of thing, it is too easy to disable, too easy to take over. Yeah. You are the Federation freaking flagship. You yeah, have you the have best to be better. You have the best of the best crew out of all of Starfleet on your ship. And this happens way too often. And from yeah. a freaking marauder Ferengis that aren't even associated with the... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm oh. sorry, but these guys are dummies. They are stupid, and yet they managed to take over the ship. Really? Are you kidding me? Mr. Worf needs to be fired because security is clearly not doing its job. I loved it when Odo called Worf out. I think it was season four <laughs> when Worf inserted himself into an investigation that Odo was doing. And Worf goes to Odo and says, hey, this is bullcrap. The Enterprise never would have had any kind of nonsense like this. And he was criticizing Odo for doing a bad job. Uh -huh. And then Odo pulled out the receipts and said, oh, yeah, how about all these times that this happened? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he mentioned yes. this in that example. And it was so painfully accurate. You're just like, Worf, I love you, but you are horrible at your job. Yep. I totally agree. Odo definitely wins that argument. And good for him. Good. Yeah, good seriously. Good for him. So uh, another one I have on my list is Plato's Stepchildren. Season three episode of the original series. Again, it's not a good episode. It makes the cast do ridiculous things. And the only reason why I like to watch it is for its historical significance. Mm. It's the first interracial kiss. And so I'll watch it for that. that. That's an entirely valid reason for liking this episode or watching this episode. But you're right. I mean, the indignity that they put the actors through is just like, oh, jeez, horrible. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to end. I think this is... um. As we talked about beforehand, we would love to hear your guys' picks and your just your justifications and your reasoning and, and how you define guilty pleasure. Please go to thenerdparty.com for all of our backlogged episodes, as well as all of our other shows. We have another Star Trek show on the network. We got Harry Potter. We got Doctor Who. We got Star Wars. We got so many other types of shows. It's something for everyone. Yes. We even have Babylon 5 now. That's right. Yes, please. Pimp that episode right now, please. Pimp that, sh <laughs> that show. All right. I'm going to do that because I'm one of the two people that's co-hosting this show. The other person is my husband, Patrick, and he is watching Babylon 5 for the very first time. What we do is we watch an episode. We record his thoughts and his reaction to every episode, pare it down to five minutes and call it a babble for five. We are the very first vidcast for the nerd party and so we're totally stoked and honored about that and thank you guys for accepting us into the fold our little project here and uh, we're having a blast of a good time i will say in our babylon 5 watch patrick is really turning a corner this episode has not aired yet but he is really getting into this show now Good. So things are getting interesting. So I'm super stoked about that. And I hope people will check it out. And if you love Babylon 5, please check it out. Please be spoiler free in your comments, though, because we want a lot of first timers to join in the conversation with Patrick. We want him to have friends. So I always have to say that disclaimer. All right. Yes, everybody, please go check it out and subscribe. Remember to subscribe on YouTube. And like and hit the bell for notifications. 
all that business, do all those things because we know you can. So please go to thenerdparty.com, select the Babble for Five logo, and everything you need to know will be at that location. Or you can just go to YouTube and search The Nerd Party, and it will pop up. Now, next week is a mystery to us just as much as it is to you, and we have no idea what's going to happen, but we do know that we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.